0: This is Two Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, what next for Dundee United and Mickey Mellon? Draws but D stay on course for the Premiership playoffs? And things can only get better. Hello, I'm Callum Woodger and welcome to another edition of Two Teams One Street episode 112 which is not a milestone in any way but I just I just like to update you sometimes to let you know how we're getting on that's that's quite impressive I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty chuffed with that um and, and what a show we've got ahead for you ladies and gentlemen boys and girls <laughs> <laughs> we've got VAR we've got we've got Dundee's um recent draws which is you know that's exciting in itself isn't it what a way to lure you in two draws to talk about um yeah. We've got potentially fans back in the stands at Dens Park as well, um, and we've also got a bit of Dundee United um, to speak about too. There's been a lot going on, on and off the pitch at Paradise, and here to talk all about it with me is George Cranton. Hello, good to be back. Yes, mate. He's got Wi-Fi, he's <laughs> got his broadband out in arrow sorted out. Um, sorted. Which is, which is quite a feat in itself really out there on the sticks having that. Well,
1: they had to install... Not, uh, that, well, for, they don't even have uh, dial-up around here. No.
0: Nah. They had to install it. Uh, Dears like tune through the cables and that when you're trying <laughs> to the podcast and stuff out the back door. Aye.
1: I've not been attacked yet, but, so it's, it's, it's going <laughs> to be.
0: And uh, Graham Finning is joining us as well. How are you doing mate?
2: Yes, I'm, I'm back again. Hello everyone. Um, they just got TV in there only 15 years ago, Callum, so they're just they're just, they're just catching up more of the technology. <laughs> George is doing well to be on the show, I'll tell you. And 112, 112 episodes, I can't believe that. The, that, the bosses obviously aren't listening to this every week, <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> a good thing they don't pay us for this, isn't it? I mean, otherwise <laughs> exactly. we'd, we'd have been gone. Good point George, good point and well made. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: You're not really supposed to pay amateurs, and this is an amateur production, <laughs> so um. we do it for the love of the job. Absolutely, absolutely, we do. Um, Bear, give us a quick weather report before we, we kick on and, and talk football.
2: It's absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's a wee bit it it's a wee bit crispy in the mornings if you're up early. You're like I am sometimes for a, <laughs> for a, a game of golf, but uh, other than that, it's been it's quite amazing the turnaround. I mean, you just think back sort of six eight weeks we were up to our knees in snow, and you know and I. I, I I saw somewhere on the news the other night that they're now saying that if you're out and about, be careful not to discard any cigarettes or things like that because you could set up a field, <laughs> you know, and, and flame because it's been that dry for the last sort of <laughs> four or five weeks. So yeah. it shows how things if have changed. Snowing at the ends on Saturday, bear. But- I know, I know, George. I know, but the, the temperature—I'm uh, trying, posit- trying to be positive here, you're George. Mad. Everything is looking a wee bit brighter. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it is. laughs> okay, you've them. got to come on and spoil it. You, that's that's your Dumfries upbringing coming back. Well, we now. live in the toasty <laughs> south.
1: That's, we're used to the heat.
0: <laughs> You've—you're uh, moving the further you get west, the colder it gets, the, the rainier it gets. So you've yeah, moved okay. what, like five miles out of Dundee to Errol, so, um
1: oh, Fourteen. It says on the sign.
2: Is, is it 14? More 14? Than that. That's, fourteen? that is, As well, it.
0: Oh. That's a safe bit of distance. That's good. I'm glad you're that far away. Um <laughs> moving on, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut this chat. As much as it's very interesting, um there's there's much um bigger problems and, and things to talk about. Um a foot at Dundee United, we'll get onto that in a minute, but first we'll talk about the Terrors one they win at Hamilton on Saturday. Uh, I was there, Mark McNulty getting the very early goal um for United after six minutes. It was backs against the Was at times, you have to say. Um, Hamilton fighting for their lives, really coming at United with, with a lot of chances. Uh, Twenty-seven shots, I think it was, six on target. Um, really pushing for that equaliser, never came. United stood firm. Um, Bayer, that's sort of the the story of the season for Mickey <laughs> Mellon. Just did do enough to win.
2: <laughs> it's a typical, typical Dundee United show, wasn't it? I mean, you're on about those stats. I'm sure he could go back and look at Dundee United starts throughout the season and the opposition well, in general, have more shots than Dundee United on goal, but when you look, United have picked up more than their fair share of points while having less, less, less is more sometimes, eh? And, uh, no, it was another terrific, terrific three points for, for Dundee United, and they really are. They're, you know, they're, they're just one of these teams that must be so uh, annoying to play against because they give you very few opportunities in it. I mean, I obviously saw a bit of the game and the highlights, um, and... Um, you know, Harman did have a few shots at goal, but and, and Sigrist made a couple of saves, but not saves that you wouldn't expect them not to make. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. I mean, and if you look at anybody, anyone looking at um, you know the shots at goal when Sigrist saves the ball, if you have a look around. You always see more United players and opposition players ready to, to pick up the scraps and knock the ball away, and that's that's I, I call that good defending. <laughs> You know, I always said when I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I played in the goal I always said that, you You know, should
0: pattern that turn the phrase Bear good defending yeah. that's
2: revolutionary I've yeah. never heard before. <laughs> yeah. that before Yeah That's, uh, I mean when I played in the goal I always said to my defenders be prepared think like a striker anything that comes off me you get there first and see if they didn't get there and the striker put the ball in the net. I made sure I was pointing at them straight away that was your fault for no being there to clear the ball but it's simple and it's that uh, they're doing that and they're doing it very effectively I was another great three points great goal I've got to say. I know that uh, Maybe Kyle Gourley, who obviously was a Dundee for a while, um, might not think that because the clearance wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't the worst clearance in the world, but I think it was, was it jean do Fuchs that, that played the pass, the, the ball through? Mm, uh, w- that was a nice ball. Yeah, well, you know what, what a pass it was because he did it so quickly, he didn't give the Hamilton defence any, any chance to sort of regroup after the Gourley kick-out, and uh, you know, Mark McNulty's on it like a flash and it's a really composed finish from him and uh, he'll be delighted to get on the score sheet after, you know, he's obviously, he obviously been in the paper saying he'd like to have scored a few more. Well, that's the sort of chances that McNulty does normally put away and he buried it with aplomb. And all in all, a great three points for Dundee United and it's got them up into seven spots. So, you know, I'm hoping that it goes right to the wire to be honest with you. And there is a, there is something to play for towards the end. But from United's perspective, you know, you can see them going on and sort of, Killing killing seven spot off the way they're playing because they're just so solid at the moment. Yeah,
0: maybe it wasn't a, a vintage performance from, from from Dundee United um in terms of uh, attacking play, but in terms of a Mickey Mellon performance, it it, it really was, you know, that they, they had that 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 diamond midfield he's been he's been using the last few weeks and they just kept the ball. Um, you know, Hamilton had a lot of chances, you know, he didn't have very much at all, but when they had the ball, they were clever with it, they limited um, Hamilton's opportunities as much as they could. They've got a great goalkeeper there behind them, thankfully, who's who's able to pull off, you know, decent saves. Um like you say, Bear, nothing you would expect them um to to really struggle with, but but he makes the saves and that's that's important. Um you, you speak about the seventh spot which is fantastic but that one actually confirms um United's premiership status. Not that it was ever really in any great danger or any mm-hmm. great doubt but that, that lifts them um far away from trouble the lowest they can they can
2: finish now with four games left. His tenth. I think, Calm. I think. Well, you're on there, Calm. I think it's, it's something. It's something to highlight. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's it, it secured their place, and uh, I missed that. You're absolutely. You're absolutely right. And it's something that we should point out. They have secured their premiership status with, you know, still still another sort of four games to go, or, or so, or whatever it is. You know. So well done. Well done. Yeah, well,
1: they can they can start. They'll be planning anyway for next season. But that gives them the absolute certainty mm-hmm. that yeah. sometimes businesses need. You know so aye, I think that's, that's a massive thing it, 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 I think it was only United that really highlighted it too much after the, the game, I don't think it was mm-hmm. mentioned on sports scene or anything, so I
0: think, yeah. I think that's massive Yeah, no, I mean I made, I made sure I highlighted it George, I'm an absolute And I, I read all your stuff, don't worry <laughs> Yeah, I know you did mate, I send over like when I send over the notes for this, it's not like notes of like what's happened, it's just notes of what I've written so I can just get my page views up that's what it's all about <laughs> yeah. Um, Another Newsline from Saturday, Florent Hottie, who, let's be honest, we didn't know much about. Um, made his long-awaited Dundee United debut with 20 minutes to go. Came on, did pretty well. I spoke to him afterwards. Um, and I think he's just relieved to finally go out there and, and start to maybe show the fans a little bit of what he was about. Because he was one of these guys that was signed in a summer george that nobody knew anything about. Um, he was farmed out and loaned to Forfar. For. No one had really seen much of him. Um, but But it's another option for for United and um, maybe maybe see a bit more of them going into these these final four games? Yeah, I hope so. And it's a
1: fabulous name for a headline writer as well. So <laughs> there's, there's got to be something in there. Um, but that's the the perfect, the, the great thing about being in the position United are in. Now they're safe. Obviously, as you say, it wasn't hugely in doubt, but they can start looking forward to next season by giving players experienced, young players, giving time on the pitch in Premier games, which actually matter to the
0: opposition, really, if you know what I mean, even
1: yep. if, if United are safe.
0: Yeah, it's really competitive for them, it gets them used to the environment.
1: Exactly, that's invaluable for, for young players, it's absolutely massive, uh, even just sub appearances here and there, just getting in amongst it and uh, knowing what it takes to c- compete at the, the top level in Scotland and uh, I mean that's huge for, for young players and United are, are obviously really good at Bringing through the, the the young players recently, and this season there's been a few of them. But I, I hope now that all that pressure's off of, of any worry of getting dragged back. We'll see more hotties on the pitch for United. <laughs> <laughs> was jokes. that
0: your uh, was that your attempt to kind of give us an example of how it's how he's named a dream for headline writers? I yeah, you can see why I don't write headlines anymore, can you? <laughs> Very good. Sorry, I have to say. That I'm loving the
1: league table now. That when we get past the split, it's always—I don't know—it always looks so <laughs> so odd to see seventh place with more points than sixth.
0: Yeah, of course, St. Jonathan in sixth with 40 points. united have got 42 in seventh. It's, it seems uh, to happen every time. Yes,
1: that's yeah. a quirk of Scottish football. It's uh, it's madness. I, I kind of love it because it's a bit—I don't know—it's a bit. What's the word?
2: It always commands a snigger on Gillette Soccer Saturday when That's Jeff cool. Sterling mentions it. Like, yeah.
1: yeah. It's only, only, it can only happen in Scotland.
0: So. It's endearing. We're a nation of mad people. <laughs> um, I was going to say another word there, but it's, we're a nation of maddies, so we might as well have a mad league table. Yeah. Um, speaking about the league table and, and, and United, obviously courtesy of that win over Aki's Leap Frogs, the to seventh spot. George, do you think Mickey Mellon's Got enough credit for the job he's done in taking a United side that have just been promoted from the Championship to safety, Um and you know by points they're sixth, <laughs> you know. But 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 they were so close to getting into that top six. I mean, it's with limited resources and bringing in his own players, he's not been able to do that much. He's he's done he's done a decent job.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe he hasn't got the the recognition that because he's done the job that was set in front of him. Really, Um top six I think would have been a. Bonus if they manage that and to get so close, it was it was credit to him. I think he doesn't get that credit because of the the, the kind of the way they've they've played this season hasn't been the most exciting. But it's it's yeah rumbled through results and, and they've picked up a lot of clean sheets, um, which doesn't always get the the pulse racing, but it's it's a sign of a good team and a sign of a team that's set up well. Um, and yeah, I mean. When he was he was brought in, initially his job was to keep Dundee United up, and he's done that with mm. how many games we've got left? Four, four games to go. Yeah, he
0: was he was never a never a kind of like popular choice or a particularly fashionable manager. You know, he's not the kind of he's not like a laptop manager cutting about in a cardigan and all this. You know, he's like <laughs> he's very much old school, and I don't think he gets because of that. He's not yeah. a, a flashy guy. He's not a big name. He's not like you know like a particularly new young manager. He's been about for a bit, and I don't. He I just kind of gets that maybe. Top of that, yeah. I that think brush. also because
1: we we didn't really know much about him up here, even though he's, yeah. he's Scottish and he's he's still got a very very strong uh, West Coast accent, despite having spent his entire career down south. A Paisley accent, good well, man. I, yeah, I wasn't sure exactly. What...
0: He's a Paisley boy, Mickey. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. He's one of us. <laughs> he explains a lot.
1: <laughs> but I think because we didn't up here, he, hasn't, he hadn't been up here at all as a player or a, a manager. Um, so he obviously didn't have that reputation when he got the job and to be fair none of us did really pay that much attention to the National League and and League 2 down south so maybe it wasn't there was obviously awareness that Tranmere really thought really highly of him and the fans down there did but maybe Mm. not the awareness of the job he did down there.
0: Yes well one club that certainly are aware of, of the job Mickey Mellon's been doing is Doncaster Rovers they have been linked um, with making a move for the United boss they're, they're on the lookout for a new manager after getting rid of Darren Moore um, Andy Butler is currently in interim charge at the League 1 club, they're going for promotion to the Championship via the playoffs and supposedly they're interested in Mickey but he insists he is totally focused on Dundee United and the club have said they've had no approach from Doncaster um, about his availability, he's got a year to run on his contract, Bear how do you see this one playing out?
2: Yeah, very interesting, Colin. yeah um... I heard at the tail end of last week from a, a quite reliable source that, that Mickey Mellon wouldn't be the Dundee United manager next season. Um, and over the weekend, we have we got stories about Doncaster being being interested in his services. Now, interestingly, Mickey's come out and, and, and said, "Look, he's, he's totally focused on on Dundee United, and he's talking about looking at dozens of players over over the last wee while, you know, to for additions." But mm-hmm. also interestingly. Neither Mickey Mellon or Dundee United have said that he will be Dundee United's boss next season, which is quite, you know, revealing, I would suggest. Um, so, yeah, there could be something in the for him. Um, You know, you, you just wonder, I mean, Mickey Mellon, I mean, we, we talk about has he been given the credit for what he's done at Dundee United? I think certainly in our newspapers he has. Um, maybe that's because he's a Paisley boy, Callum, and you love him. <laughs> but, but, no, but but personally, I think he, he obviously, I think he has done really well. I think that's gone under the radar sometimes. With maybe the, the, the style of football he has played, I don't think he's been given the credit yeah. uh, nationally as well for what he's done. But to come up uh, with with a you know a, a team from the championship and make very few additions and and you know his hands have been tied a wee bit, you know, with the financial. Uh, restraints that have been placed on United and across Scottish football as well, I've got to say it's not just done to United too or something like this. He's done remarkably well. Uh, you know, I mean if you had a report card that would I would suggest that it'd be a B plus maybe even an A for what he's done. If he'd got them in the top six, it would have been an A. They're certainly consolidated as a premiership club now. Um and, and that's but in their first season back that's that's a great achievement. Uh, but I just wonder I just wonder, you know, you're, you're looking at the situation um Obviously, Mickey Mellon's family is still mm-hmm. based down south. You know, there, there, there's a lure, lure there. Obviously, um, I think his reputation certainly has been enhanced by what he's done in Scotland and English clubs. Certainly, will have taken note of that. And I'm just wondering if the financial aspect at Tannadice means he's wondering himself: Can he reproduce what he's done at Dundee United? I mean, you, you set the bar high. You know, it's some, sometimes it can be difficult if you overachieve. Um, and I'm sure Dundee United fans won't agree with me but I mean they'll be they'll be looking to you know, push on and that's the big problem you've got expectation next season you know it may be difficult to, to get to where Dundee United fans want them to be especially if you know the finance isn't there and Mickey may be looking at that whole package and might find uh, you know an offer to go back down south uh, too attractive to turn down
0: Yeah it's a difficult one I think the fans will find it hard to stomach a Doncaster Rovers coming in for their manager mm-hmm. and him potentially having his head turned by that because there is no doubt that Dundee United are a bigger club than Doncaster. There's no doubt about that. But the resources available down south now in that league for a club like that with ambitions of pushing up into the top two leagues um, are vastly different from the way he could be operating at Dundee United. Now, Mickey may well believe in the project at Dundee United and may want to stay and fulfil that and, and do something. But like you say, there are other factors at play here. His family's down there. He spent his whole career down there. He knows it well. Um he'll maybe want to go back and have a another shot at it, a new challenge. It's it's hard to say. But um I think personally speaking, the United fans would maybe be a bit more irked by his departure if it happens because of the club he's going to rather than actually losing Mickey himself. I don't think he's maybe been appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are such high expectations at United for having a kind of attacking Swashbuckling style of play, um, being in the top half of the table. Even after the game at, at Hamilton, Mickey speaking to the press, he he kind of he kind of cheekily nodded over to me and said, "You know, the the press have high expectations, the fans have high expectations, <laughs> um, but he's you know he's doing the best job he can and um tr- trying to get the club to where it wants to be, which is in that top six and Contention for trophies in European football, but um, it's 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 not a bad time of the season for for United for this speculation to come in because they're safe and the job's done. But um, nonetheless, George, it's it's still pretty unsettling um, to to have someone sniffing around around your manager at, at any time of the season.
1: Oh well, yeah, of course. I mean, the manager is obviously the most important uh, part of your your football team, uh, and they they kind of saw that. Last, what almost a year ago, when when Hearts came in and and nabbed Robbie Nielsen from them, um, mm-hmm. I mean that was that would have been unsettling, destabilising massively after winning the league. Obviously, Mickey Mellon came in and settled things down quite well. Um, after that, because that, that's we haven't really mentioned how difficult a job that would have been, even though your team the team's just won the league, but it's yeah. won the league with a different manager.
0: Um, what was the question again? I forgot. It's unsettling for the club, isn't it? It's Unsettling for the fans, no matter what, 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 what the circumstances yeah, are. Yeah,
1: it's that uncertainty going forward. That's that's the, the big thing.
0: And as I've saying
1: before, the the business side needs certainty of, of knowing that United will be in the in the Premiership next season. for Getting that win at the weekend. The football side needs a certainty of who's going to be the manager, who's going to be making the decisions, what type of team does he want to build. And as Bear says, he has, hasn't had the opportunity really to build his own team at. Tannadice, just because of the way the world's gone and, and the way United's finances are, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we're we'll going on to talk about the accounts that were uh, published yes. last week. But I, th- I think I get the feeling that Mickey Mellon's future will kind of tell us a wee bit about how bad how bad things are in terms of finances, whether he's getting. A decent chunk of budget for next season or not? I think if, if he is getting a decent chunk, then he, he may well stick around. Um, I think that could be a big a big telling point if he's going to get the chance to to build on what he's done, or if he, he doesn't think he's going to get that, then he may have his head turned and he may he may go elsewhere where where he might get that. I think that could be a it could be a massive. Well, I called that a canary in the in my column. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but. Uh, you know what i mean I, I think it could could tell us a bit about where where things are going uh, in terms of the finances of the football side going forward a canary ah uh, tell me more like the canary down the mine when you <laughs> you don't know about that when they take to the canaries well, down the mines if there was yeah, noxious yeah. gas the canary fell over and told you what was coming basically
0: all oh, right okay. Okay, no, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Know, I'm with. It you was now. written very quickly um, in the car park <laughs>
1: at East End Park last night. So,
2: a massive, a massive canary. I, I thought, man, I'm, I'm just getting a vision of a big yellow bird on a perch. I, I
1: don't think it's going to Norwich. I'm not saying that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's certainly going to be a very interesting end to the season for Dundee United between now and May the 16th when they go to St Mirren. Will Mickey Mellon be in Charles next season? Um, nobody knows at the moment. Um, We'll 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 find out more um, as the weeks go on and um, see where that leads us. But certainly, um, United's accounts don't make for great reading. Um, and and maybe like you were saying, George will play a factor in whether he does remain at the club or not. Um, they announced a three million pound loss, over three million pound loss um, for season 2019-20, Which course was. Um, the United's promotion season from the championship which was curtailed by the coronavirus um, it's another big loss I think over the last two seasons it's around 6.7 million the club's lost under Mark Augren's stewardship but he said that they'll come out of this um, the pandemic and, and their current you know dip in finances a far stronger club how do you how do you see this one playing out going forward George I mean W- that's not a sustainable loss every season there's going to have to be um, improvements in the balance sheet
1: Of course, I mean it is, it's worrying amounts of money really but the I think the plan was always to invest very heavily to begin with, to get them out of the championship, get the team and the club obviously they've invested a lot around the club and in infrastructure and the youth set up and all everything, just kind of giving the the place a, a good spruce up Um And I think there was always going to be losses early on. It's just how much the coronavirus has has impacted that, and how much that's going to make things much more difficult um, going forward. Because we've kind of, it's always been across the road, there's been this kind of similar story of an American owner and and losses and, and, and kind of paying off the money out of their own pocket type of thing so uh, we just never know how deep those pockets are that's 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 always my worry um with owners. so uh, it's it's difficult it's about ba- i guess it's a balance it's difficult to really say things are really bad when the plan was always to to have heavy investment early on it's I th- I th- it's one of these where we're, we're probably gonna have to wait till the numbers come out for next season, where we will really see what where things are. Um, but as as I said about Mickey Mellon, I think that that may well be a signal of of whether there's money there to spend if if he sticks around mm-hmm. or not.
0: Yeah, I think Mark organ's approach with Dundee United is very much speculate to accumulate bear, and we see that with their youth policy. They've invested a lot into their academy, and it seems that they're they're banking on on that paying out. And a player coming through, and and the club making a profit out of it. That's not happened yet. It's very early days, but um, that certainly seems to be the plan at the moment. But it's it's a lot of money to be to be losing in the meantime.
2: Yeah, it is, it is, and it's 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 uh, it's a great policy to have banking on your youths. But the big problem you have when you and this might be something going back to Mickey Mellon is you know are you, are you going to start telling Mickey Mellon he's got to play X amount of youth players in the team? Uh, next season uh, because some of them will be ready but some of them won't and that, that's the problem you've got and that, that can affect results and it could affect your top flight status and at the end of the day, that would be disastrous. So that's something that has to be weighed up. I mean, you saw the figures. My big concern is, uh, you know, I'm not a financial man and I always found reading financial reports, you know, like pulling, watching paint dry, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> Um, but you look at the the, the the biggest headline out of it was the three million or so loss. Now, the big worry is that's for last season. Mm-hmm. They're going to in and I, I would imagine, a similar type of loss mm. for the season that is coming to a close. Um, and that is really, really painful. Um, so that's something that, that they're going to have to take on board. The chairman, as obviously, as George said, you know. It's easy for us sitting here and, you know, just talking about the figures. Somebody has to sort of fund that. And, and to be fair, you know, he's put on a positive approach, but they will be hoping that, obviously, fans get back into the stadium and start, you know, getting some income coming in through the other way, or, or income, any sort of income be, via gate money, etc., hospitality, etc., and, and start filling those gaps. But a real secret would be, is I mean, and... You know, Calum, you, you've spoken to Andy Goldie a lot, and he's he's quite a high-profile sort of guy now in Scottish football. But what he's done at the United Academy, but United mm. will be looking for a return on that, and the way you get a return on that is by playing these players in the first team and moving them on for for decent decent cash. Um, yeah,
0: they have to be good enough, of course, and I think of course they are. Yeah. there's a lot of good players there. Um, we've seen but it that. is a gamble. It is a gamble. Yeah, it is. It is um, a lot of young guys, 17-year-olds, you know. Lewis Nielsen, Kai Fotheringham, Chris Mochrie's only 18, I think, you know, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on these guys' shoulders to, to go out there and perform and the club to be, you, you, to an extent, commend them to have the vision, this overall vision of investing heavily in the academy and having the structure at the club um, and, and setting these targets for themselves, but, um as so long as it's sustainable whether yeah. Mark Ogden can think, continue I think to in an ideal Mark Ogden, who's just yeah. bought a golf course, can yeah. continue to uh-huh. plow the money <laughs> in, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think, in a, I think in an ideal world, you want your youth academy to run in tandem with the first team so that you can bring these guys in along with a mixture of top professionals. It's when the, the balance is such that you have to bring in five or six of these young lads and it affects the flow of the team. Now, you know, that's something that they're going to have to take on board. And you know, whoever's in charge and who's running the first team, um, is he going to be prepared to? Obviously, whoever whoever is the manager is going to have to do that. If, 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 if the man at the top says this is where we want to go, then that's what he's got to do.
0: Okay, we've spoken enough about what's been going on off the field between Mickey Mellon and United's finances. We're yep. going to turn our focus back to back to the football in Friday night at Forfar on the BBC Scotland channel. You can watch it um, seven forty five PM kickoff. It's a Scottish Cup last sixteen clash. George, um, how do you see this one going? United are. Huge favourites. Yeah,
1: and, and rightly so. Obviously, Premiership Club going to uh, League One. Uh, Forfair really struggled this season. Um, obviously so Sean Malcolm left uh, just last week. So, interesting to see what kind of impact that has. But no, I, I, I don't see United having much trouble. Um, but I have to re- re- remember uh, the trouble they had against Partick Thistle, who are obviously in the same league as Forfair. Yeah, uh, in the last round, so they've already had a wee warning. Uh, so hopefully they kind of heed that and, and they go go to station Park with the the, the right attitude. And I, I don't see them having too many problems. Um, it, I think it's a really good draw for them, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's a great opportunity to progress into the quarterfinals. It'll be it'll be former Dundee player Gary Irvin in the opposite dugout <laughs> for for 4 on Friday night. So that'll be an interesting dynamic. Um, Bear uh, Aberdeen or Livy away in the next round um, that's where United want to be they want to be contesting in the latter stages in the cup so they've, they've got to go there and, and put a show a they back. do
2: and, and you know what don't don't discount Forfar ok that's all I'm saying and I'm going to call him. did you know that what Forfair, team support <laughs> did you know that Forfar played their part in St Mun's 1987 cup victory did they do tell yes, me yes they did now, now stick with me on this there's a wee bit of hyperbole on this but uh, right here on. we go yeah because United actually met Forfar in the quarterfinals at Tanadice. And I'm pretty sure, if I remember rightly, that United were actually 2-0 down in that game at Tanadice. Now, this is a United team that, that had Davionieri, Malpaz, Hegarty, Sturrock, Bannon, all playing. 1987, quarterfinals, And United got a last-minute penalty, and Ian mm-hmm. Ferguson scored that. And it went to yeah. a replay at Station Park. So in the replay Station Park, For missed two penalties in the first half. But United went on to win the tie uh, 2-0 and progress to an epic semi-final, which still pains me, against Dundee at Tynecastle, which they won 3-2 in a ding-dong. It was a ding-dong affair. Um, and of course, they got through to the final and St. Myrne actually won that final. Now, the reason I'm saying that it, Forfar played their part is because I am absolutely positive as a, a die in the wheel Dundee fan that Dundee would have beaten Forfar in the semi final and then went on to beat St Myrne in that final <laughs> in nineteen eighty seven. <1987. laughs> so there you go. That's that's what I'm saying. Don't discount Forfar. Although I do think that. Uh, that are really up against it on Friday night. And yeah, getting back to your original question, Carl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mate, mate, I wasn't even alive to comment on that, but thanks for the history lesson. Yeah, that was there you go.
2: There you go. I, was, I remember it well because, uh, you know, Dundee were in the quarterfinals that day, I think against Clyde Bank and 1-4-1 away at Kilbowie, for anyone who still remembers Clyde Bank and Kilbowie. Um And we were all praying the United game was still going on, and when we heard United got a penalty in the last minute, you could see everybody sort of going, oh, bugger sort of thing, you know, and, you know, fair fair play to United, because that was the United team that went on to, obviously, they were on their way to the UEFA Cup final that yeah, season course, as well, yeah, yeah. so it was a top, 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 top team, but Forfa had one or two good players himself at that, at that point in time. Uh,
0: so what you're saying is Forfa pretty much derailed United's Season completely yeah, well, ruined no, our that, cup. that no, extra well, match. No. They had enough matches that season,
2: didn't <laughs> they? No, I, I wasn't. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, Forfar helped St Myrne win the cup because, as I say, <laughs> Dundee would have beat Forfar in the semi-final and then gone on to beat St Myrne in the final. There you go. <laughs> not, not an unbiased view from me there. Um, in terms of this season and getting back to reality, <laughs> uh, Aberdeen or Livy? I don't know. I mean, I, I think you know, in years gone by, you would have, you would have hoped that Livy managed to get through, but. You know, I think it's actually Peeksy, to be fair. Um, but you know what? I think I think, I I think, think that the way Dundee United are playing at this moment in time, whoever they get, they won't be unduly concerned. That, yeah, I wouldn't know, be worried
1: about that at all.
2: I think there's a real chance for United here. I think they can, obviously, you want to avoid the old firm and, and obviously sell like a playing ranger, so one of them is going to go out. But
0: mm-hmm.
2: one half of the draw is going to open up here. And, and I think United have got the, the capability, certainly defensively, to, to play against anybody you know and uh, on their day they can pinch a goal here and there who knows so yeah could o- could well open up for them
0: yeah cup football it's all about winning one-off ties that'll be, that'll be the challenge for United and all the other teams left in the competition going forward um, Bear I need your expertise once again I need real oh. expertise this time though because oh. I don't know what you were talking about there that was absolute nonsense um, <laughs> Dundee
2: winning the Scottish <laughs> Cup come on it's not 1910 or whatever it was um, I've got to say calm it's a Dundee fan <laughs> As a Dundee <laughs> fan, I mean, it was one of our better days out watching St. Murn beat Dundee what, in the 1910, <laughs> 1987. Uh, <laughs> Ian Ferguson, what a goal it was to you. Hey, boom, yeah. take that. Yep.
0: Um, looking at United, who starts in the nets next station Park? There's been a bit of conversation this week about that. Dennis Mehmet is very yeah. much the cup goalkeeper. Um, yeah. Benji Segris is obviously the number yeah. one. How, how, how do you move forward in cup football with, with the goalkeeper situation? It's a it's a sort of thing in modern football that's presented itself as a problem over the years. Yeah,
2: year. he is giving uh, Dennis uh, his place in, in the cup, um, which, is, which is fair play to him. And I think, again, on Friday night, I, I think he will. He'll stick with Dennis for yeah. that uh, actual tie. But I've got a sneaky feeling <laughs> When it gets to the business end of the competition, you might actually see Benjamin Segris coming <laughs> yeah. back in. Yeah, you know, for for possibly the, the next next round. But I think uh, Mickey Mel will feel that Dennis Mem is, is a is a very good keeper in his own right. But will feel that they can get through that tie. You know, regardless of who plays in the goal. So um, yeah, I think Dennis will, will retain his place. And I think that's good as well. Like you know, it keeps him involved just in in the sort of the off chance that. Benjamin Segrist could be injured. At least Dennis Memm has had some com- competitive football under his belt.
0: Okay, before we move on to talk about Dundee, you have got one more thing for you boys to, to give me a quick verdict on, I stress the word quick. Yep. Um, Peter Pollitt, last week we spoke about it on the show, neither mm-hmm. of you guys were on. Um, but he's, um, he's, he's opened talks with United about staying um, after having a sort of rumoured approach from, from St Johnston. He's out of contract, of course. Um, the Saints are looking to get him on a pre-contract in the summer, United are now talking about a new deal, if you were in Tony Ashgar's shoes George, would you want to keep him or would you? Uh? Um,
1: I'd keep him for a, as a, not particularly f- to, to be starting but I think as an experienced squad player I think he'd be really useful around the place um, and he's quite versatile as well he's obviously was a winger in, the, in his days at Aberdeen but He's shown he can play in the middle as well. I, th- I think he'd, he'd be a handy guy to have around the place. Um, I get the feeling uh, it's been quite similar to that, the Nicky Clark to Dundee uh, thing. Uh, at the start of the year, I think uh, Mr. Pollitt's agent has given United a wee hurry up, I think,
2: on that, on that one with the St. Johnston stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Bear, there yeah,
2: you go. I'd just like to say, Callum, I was on the show last week. That shows the impression I made. Do you know what?
0: I was sitting thinking that. Thanks um, <laughs> It was you and young Chrissy Dodd, so it was, yeah, it was, was a week that before was. that I had Wilkie and, right. and Steve Finham with me. I just can't get the staff nowadays. Right? Yeah. It's not my fault I'm here every weekend and no one else wants right. to show up. <laughs> anyway, Peter Pollitt, stay or go?
2: Uh, go. I would, say, I would say let him go. There's others trying to burst through. Um, you may be able to do more with um, a freed up wage. Uh, I don't think he's done enough at Tarris. Um He's been in and out of the team and that might that might well be because that's the manager's choice or because of injuries but I think it's um, an opportunity to to, to move on um, and, and, and let, him, let him leave and open the door for, for someone else coming through
0: Okay, we're going to move on now and in the words of Aerosmith's Stephen Tyler we're going to whack this way and head over <laughs> to Denz Park Did you just enjoy that one? Was that that one hit the mark a bit a bit better than uh, the average white band one a few years ago? Is that terrible. better uh, well,
2: it was a bit better, so uh, it's more
1: up my my street.
0: Yeah, you knew what it was this uh, time at least. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Right, we've walked this way now. It's time to talk this way, um, George. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh, that's poor, isn't it? It really is. I'm glad. Um, I was off last week, <laughs> <laughs> Dundee. The last week since we've podcasted, <laughs> we last podcast uh, two draws. Uh, against Morton and Dunfermline, starting at 10s on Saturday. Um, should they have won that game late on? Um, Aidan Nisbet gave gave Morton the lead before Ashcroft got a late equaliser, but there was a bit of controversy at the end um, of the match. I think they've
1: got reason to
0: to shout about it.
1: Um, it was one of those, I think it was 50-50, to be honest, whether the ref gives it or not. What happened was that the ball was... Uh, crossed into the box and I think it was Brian McLean went headed it Osmond so challenged them, and the ball fell for, fell at the back post for Declan McDade he knocked in the net but the whistle had already gone um, it was one of those I think where if the ref didn't give it you wouldn't really have noticed it but you wouldn't have been sitting there thinking oh he got away with that but mm-hmm. also when you see it you think you could kind of see why he gave it at the same time it, I think it was unlucky I would say
0: James McPake did have a bit of a go at the at referee Alan Newlands. Wasn't happy with it. Um, no, no, but but the performance um, f- for you, I mean Dundee should have had that. It was important for them to try and wrap up a win. Yeah, on.
1: I'd, uh, on the on the back of three straight wins as well, they wanted to keep that going. They haven't had, they haven't actually won four in a row under James McPhee, so that that would have been a nice wee fill-up for him at the right end of the season. But they didn't play that well, to be honest. Um, the game was very similar to the air game. But the first hour of the air game anyway, it was, it was pretty slow going. Morton really sat in and and were really fighting for everything. Um, there was no space in behind it and Dundee struggled a bit to, to break them down. Um, and Morton looked a lot better than, than they have earlier in the season, by the way, under Gus McPherson as well. Um, but Morton scored pretty much their first shot, to be honest. Uh, I questioned kind of Adam Langston is that at the time because the shot came in from strap from twenty yards and he pushed it out and he pushed it straight to Nesbitt really um, watching the back I'm not so sure they put it wide but maybe he needs to put it wider but it was a bit of a sucker punch really that Dundee had, mm. Dundee had had the better of the game and Morton had been thrown in a lot of blocks uh, good blocks but Dundee just couldn't find that goal but Ashcroft again I mean goal machine now I mean. Yeah, it can barely stop Five
0: for the season now, five. Yeah, four and five, 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 four in his last five. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, but I think you're you're right about Morton. Certainly, I mean, I remember from Gus McPherson's time at St. Mirren, it was very much similar to to Mickey Mellon in a way. It wasn't wasn't fashionable, but but he did what it kind of took to to get the results, and if that meant setting in and hitting on the break, and like you say, that that this bit goes a bit of a sucker punch, then then he'll do it, and he's got the players there to do it. Just don't um, mention his but, time at Queen of
1: the South, please.
0: <laughs> I would drag that up for you but um, I, 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 I personally felt that that game was big because it was one you look at the games that Dundee have remaining and had remaining with, with Dunfermline on, on Tuesday night there. With Dunfermline, um, you know, so they've got Dunfermline Inverness Wraith Queen of the South to come I thought Morton was one that was the most winnable mm-hmm. of those sort of games that were remaining for me it was more disappointing than the nil nil at East End on Tuesday night um, not a great game again George but with, with Wraith winning as well it, it's maybe a little bit damaging to to hopes of making second. Yeah
1: that all of a the the wraith, the wraith result obviously the, I mean you can't go relying on the, on the other teams to, to do you favours especially that bloody Dunhamer's mob down the road <laughs> um, Dundee, had, I thought Dundee played okay at Dunferham I thought they were, they were the better team, uh, mm-hmm. played some really nice stuff for, uh, in the middle of the park but they struggled when it, it came to the business end and, and putting it in the net. I think that was their, their big problem, which, to be fair to them, hasn't been a problem all season. Uh, I think that was the first time they hadn't scored in the league since November. Um, I think it was 18 games or something like that. Which, on the flip side, it's probably as strong as their back line and midfield have looked uh, all season. They did the family were dangerous and they had their chances, but I think Dundee defended quite well. Um,
0: I think if that happened earlier in the season, you'd have more positives to take out of it. You'd be like, oh, it's good they're not getting beat. But at this stage of the season, you know, you need to yeah. win to get to where you want to be. And for Dundee the second, or so important. I know.
1: it's uh, It just feels like the two draws are kind of nothing. I mean, the the one on Saturday, obviously, everyone else drew apart from Hearts had won the night before. Everyone drew, so it was yeah. a, as you were and nothing changed. Mm-hmm. All the players might as well have had a day off, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it just feels like... Their seasons kind of stumbled a wee bit, even, but they're still on a good run. They're still unbeaten in, uh, in fi- um, five. Is that right?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not too sure. They'd, well, they'd won three in a row, and then they've they've drawn two. So, um, yeah, they're, they're certainly on. You know, a very good run recently under under James Peak. It must be said as well. You, you mentioned Hearts there. Um, it's that's them won the title now. So, congratulations to Robbie Nielsen and the rest of the. The Jambos for one of the worst title wins I've ever seen in my life, so um, <laughs> <laughs> terrific form from them. Uh, Bear, how have you seen the last couple of, of results for Dundee, and, and where does that leave them going forward into these final three games against Inverness, Wraith, and Queens? Yeah,
2: George, George pretty much called it. They weren't very good against Morton. I thought they struggled. I thought the pitch again, uh, Den, dense pitch just looks really, really ropey at the moment. Um, well, that's that's no real great excuse, but Dundee didn't, didn't play as well as I had been. put it I mean, I saw the stats and Dundee were well on top but you know, efforts of goal, blah, blah, blah. But I always thought Morton looked capable when they were going forward. You know, I always thought they, were, they looked dangerous. When they got the goal, you know, I thought, oh, creaky, the writing's on the wall here for Dundee. But fair play. You've got to give them no. credit for, for, for hitting back. I mean, you've, you, you take that out of the performance, the fact that they were able to get back and, you know, yeah. get an equaliser. And, you know what, I think... It would have been. It would have been harsh on Morton if Dundee had got that second goal. I've got to say, as a Dundee fan, it would have been fantastic. But it would have been harsh. <laughs> but that, that's two goals Dundee have had disallowed in that goal, you know, in the last couple of weeks, the one in the cup against St Johnston, and now now the one against Morton. So hopefully there's something out there for them. They're going to get the break somewhere down the line. I'd um, done first half. Dundee were fantastic. Got the ball back, uh, back down, started knocking it about. I've got to say, you're going into the game without sort of. Paul McGowan and 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 Max Anderson too. They're they top players in the last sort of half a dozen games. But uh, guys like Jordan McGee and Sean Byrne came came in and never looked at the place. They were really good. I thought McGee was fantastic. Um, obviously, Cammy Kerr slotting in um, at, at fullback again came in and looked looked as though he was ready to roll as well, which was which was encouraging. The big thing for me is th- another clean sheet, which is which is I, I know it's. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, I keep going on about it but that gives you a real chance in any game see if you're keeping it tight at the back you know obviously the, foil, the goals have dried up a wee bit but you would bank on on guys like Cummins and Mullen you know to get back on the score sheet pretty soon if they can keep it keep the clean sheets going then they've got a real chance I also meant, got to mention Lee Ashcroft who was absolutely outstanding again last night um, I, I thought Fontaine did well but Ashcroft to me is the best centre half in that league by a country mile um, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, premier managers at that yeah, game last was. night. And I'm sure they're, they're having was. a look at looking at yeah, him yeah. as well because he looks so dominant at the back now and a threat in the opposition box. I, d- I said last week, I mean, uh, it wasn't a must-win game for Dundee. It was a must-win game for Dunfermline. Um, obviously, second spot is where you want to be. But the most important thing is you get yourself into the playoffs first. Now, if Dundee had been five points behind going into that game, you, you would have wanted more from your, from your team, and Dundee kept Dunfermline at arm's length all night, bar right at the death when I think it was Ewan Henderson had a had a shot at goal, and Fontaine did well to stand up and and knock it away. But uh, no, in general, Dundee were Dundee were good, and uh, they can take encouragement from that display certainly, um, and obviously getting those guys back in as well. Um, they're are obviously a, a wee issue with Jordan Marshall, which. You know, that would be a concern for me if he is going to be missing between now and the end of the season. But Not defensively, because I think, you know, Cami cares more than capable. And there are other players who are more than capable of slotting in at left-back. But going forward, Martial offers you a lot more. I think we saw a couple of times Cami went down the left and tried to, try to swing one of his left foot and ended up in the stands behind the goal. <laughs> you know, and that's what you get. He's a naturally right, right-sided defender. So, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed for Marshall. I, I believe he's going for a scan this afternoon. But in general, good performance from Dundee and McPay can take encouragement from that.
0: Yeah, just on that final point, George, um, who does slot in at left-back now um, for, for the, the, the remainder of the season if it does look like Jordan is going to be out? Jordan McGee is just back. He's maybe not 100% fit. He's played in midfield at, at Dunfermline. Bears mentioned, mentions Cammy Kerr. I mean, what way do you see McPay Well, um,
1: Well, it's... it's Sad for, for Jordan. Uh, mm-hmm. Big fan of him, obviously. I've seen him for a number of years. Uh, I think he's been probably Dundee's most consistent player, I think, this season. Certainly one of them. Um, and it, it doesn't look good. I mean, it, it, you could tell right away. That, um, he slid in for a tackle, and then when he got up, he you he he, he could see he, he wasn't right. Um thought Jordan McGee was excellent in midfield. It looked like he'd never been away. And spoke to him after the game, and he actually said he'd only had one training session with the team. Which is remarkable, really, considering how, yeah. how well he played. But he was fit in terms of yeah. he could. He'd been doing a lot of running and stuff because the, the nature of his injury was was his chest. His, he basically ripped his his pec off the bone, which sounds disgusting. It was quite bad. <laughs> it uh, does. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a tricky operation, I think. But he seems it seems to have come come back flying. He could go into left back. He has done before. Um, I remember him playing there at Morton last season. I think it was Christoph Behrer's first game. Um, and he, he played there and he was fine. Um, he's obviously a, a player who can play. He, he's good with the ball. Uh, and it may go with him purely because there's so many midfielders in there uh, that are talented and a lot of them think that would say they deserve to play as well. Um, yeah, But Jordan's so good in the centre midfield as well. That's tricky. Cammy, I thought, did, did fine. He, he looked a bit, he had, had to kind of feel his way into the game a wee bit, I think, at the start. I, he looked a wee bit, I don't, I don't know if he was nervy or he just wasn't sharp or whatever to begin with. But when he moves to the left-back, I thought he was fine. Um, mm-hmm. as, as Bear says, I don't think we expect him to, to be whipping in uh, Beckham-style crosses and stuff um, these days, but... Yeah, it was a big part of Dundee's play. You could see a lot at the start of the season, particularly when Charlie Adam was dictating it in the centre midfield. He'd quite often turn it and ping it to to Jordan Marshall, who was flying down the left. That was that was a big yeah. part of Dundee's play. So it'd be interesting to see how they the
0: cope with that. Is there a case for putting Declan McDade in there as a sort of wing-back on the left-hand side? Because he's done that before. Uh, to to, to Well, that, that's
1: how they replaced Marshall last season. Because remember, he... he he got a really bad yeah. thigh injury uh, right at the end of January and that was him for the season. Yeah,
0: Marshall's a hamstring though, isn't it? This one that we're, we're talking yeah. about here, it's potentially quite a bad yeah. hamstring tear. He,
1: d- yeah. he did have a hamstring problem last <laughs> season as well. Uh, <laughs> in the first half of the season. That was him out for six mm-hmm. weeks. So, I mean, it could well be the same. We'll just have yeah. to wait and see how the scan comes back. Yeah, But 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 Deky... Yeah, that's how they, they sort down. out. And Decky did really well as a wing back because he, he he works really hard and he's got good quality going forward. Um. The thing is, do they have the centre-backs then to play the three? Because uh, I think Jordan McGee would probably have to step back in a centre-mid. Mm. So, I mean, there's, there's there's all sorts of things to weigh up. Um, and then there's getting Charlie Adam back in the team as well. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure they like playing him too much in a two. Uh, and I probably wouldn't myself. I think he needs to be in a three uh, mm. just to get the kind of legs around him. So... Some, some things to sort of but they've been defending really well, so yeah, it's up to James McPegg. That's that's what he gets paid, paid the money for. Um, there's all sorts of options he can go for, uh, but yeah, it's, it's such a massive, massive uh, blow for them losing Marshall because, as I say, I think he's been excellent all season.
0: Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of selection headaches. I mean, you, you mentioned the players that they potentially don't have, you can throw. Paul McGowan into that list as well he's got a shin problem as well Um, but in the kind of good side of things Bear Alex Jakubiak was back on the bench um, at Dunferlin after four months out with a variety of problems ankle thigh Uh, Osman Sous back in the mix as well it's all really now about for me anyway I don't know if you agree with this Bear but Wraith Rovers and Dundee look like they're going to be in the playoffs you know whether it's second or third for Dundee second would be ideal Mm -hmm third they would just have to deal with it and, and play the games anyway um, but it's all about keeping that team going, not upsetting the rhythm of keeping clean sheets being unbeaten, winning games playing a really strong defensive style of football, keeping the ball well in midfield, they've shown a lot of good things recently it's about not upsetting that going forward um, yeah. into these playoffs in the final few games
2: yeah and I think I mean a lot of people have, have, have touched on the fact that they're playing the teams around them um, you know it's, it's a tough running for Dundee but I think it's actually quite good I think it can be beneficial because you're going to have to meet these teams or certainly some of them when you, uh, when you get to the playoffs and hopefully Dundee will get there in some, some shape or form um, so I think, you know, you can you can, you can can have a look and you could you could actually get the upper hand on them if you, if you can pick up results, results between now and the end of the season so that you've got that sort of edge goal. if you have to go and play Inverness in the first game or you have to go and play Wraith Rovers. I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is obviously Dundee play uh, Inverness next Tuesday. And again, a draw, we'll have to wait and see what happens at the weekend, but a draw might not be a bad result for Dundee yeah, in that one. No. But it depends on how, how Wraith Rovers do. You, they want to be within touching distance of Wraith by that, I mean, if they beat them at Dens Park on that Saturday, then they can get themselves up to second spot. Mm. They don't want to be beyond that sort of thing. And Wraith have a, a, a bit of an edge in goal difference. Um, What's coming down these last few games, it might be difficult to pin that back. So, you know, Wraith have got, to be within, have got to be within two points of Wraith, I would suggest for that one, so that they know that if they win that game, they're going to second, and then it's just an easy victory at Queen of the South on the last day <laughs> to secure their place.
1: <laughs> well, we'll wait and see about that. <laughs> the um, so, Sorry, just to mention on the second place thing, obviously it's, it means less games and less kind of risk of going out. But speaking to Liam Fontaine, I think last week or two weeks ago, he was saying that he finished second with Hibbs, And it, it actually proved to be a, a bad thing for them because they had to sit around and wait. Mm. I think there's 10 days or a couple of weeks where you have no game because you're waiting for the, the quarter final to get played. And they ended up getting beat. In the in the semi final, uh, I think it was Rangers that beat them. Came through the, the the Rangers finished third and came and beat them in second. So something, it's not it's not a given that it's going to be a real uh, mm-hmm. a real bone a real kind of what's the word I'm looking for? I the don't know, uh, Josh. Uh, Can you? Do- <laughs> It's not a given that it, it's it's <laughs> such an advantage, is what I'm, going to, I'm trying to say. You could just edit that bit
0: out, Calum, a bit before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping this in now. But it, um, <laughs> it's it's almost because it's a shortened season as well. Having maybe an extra game wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be such a bad thing, especially if they're in decent form. That's what I was trying to say. You know, if they keep, it's more about keeping up the good form, yeah. keeping on picking up decent results and good displays. Um, there's no game this weekend courtesy of them being out of the, the Scottish Cup but but next Tuesday away at Inverness George it's actually a place that Dundee have gone recently got results and played pretty well as much as it's a tough place to go midweek especially
1: Yeah I was up there for the the, the one earlier in on the season that was actually the first game Jordan McGee got moved into midfield and it was, it was excellent um, yeah. that was when the, the kind of revelation uh, that he would be a box-to-box midfielder and become such an important part of the team. I think he, he scored that, that night in the 2-2 draw. Um, and they were good. Uh, they had their defensive problems, which they've had most of the season, but it's going to be such a big game. And Neil McCann has Inverness flying at the moment. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: What's that? Is it six wins in a row or something? Which, haven't watched the championship for so long, that doesn't happen very often. Um, so I would oh no they drew with Queen's what am I talking about um, but they're on a really good run That, in my experience in the championship that doesn't last particularly much longer than that for any team uh, Hearts obviously have done well this season but I wouldn't be and I'm with Bear I, th- I think in terms of it's, it might be quite good to be playing a team that could well be in and around the, the playoffs when the push comes to shove because as, as we saw against Morton, they, they kind of struggled to break Morton down. It might be good for Dundee to have a team that's going to come at them and and they can have a bit of space to play.
0: Yeah, it's a big game. Third against fourth. Inverness only four points behind Dundee in the table. So it could be, um, depending on which way the game goes, a very, very interesting one on Tuesday night. Um, you mentioned Neil McCann there. I think he can maybe feel a bit hard done by not to have got Manager of the Month for his performances <laughs> um of his Inverness side, who he's an interim in charge of. Um but it was James McPake who picked up the award for March. Um we'll quickly speak about that before we move on. Um picked up twelve points from eighteen available bear, four wins and two defeats. Um pff, well, well deserved. He's he's fair turned it around the last week. We yeah he
2: has and he's again he has been under pressure a lot of the time Carl. We've we've been on the podcast at times when we've said, you know, he has to really has to get one on the, the, you know he's he, people will be looking for his head Um, Mm -hmm. and he's done that. And that's just the, that's the nature of the beast with Dundee in the championship. You're expected to be in a certain place. And he's pretty much answered all the questions when he's been under pressure um, and these circumstances. But Jim McPake is is pretty much, I mean, no disrespect, but he's pretty much a novice manager. I mean, he's only been in the the job for a couple of years, effectively, you know, so he's, he's learning as he goes. And I think he is, that's exactly what he's doing. He's learning as he goes. And uh um, they've made a couple of smart acquisitions in the in the January window, and the team the team that seems to be functioning really well. And what I like about it, Callum, is even when I mean at the start of the season, Charlie Adam was carrying Dundee. Anything mm. that Dundee did well, it came through Charlie Adam. Now you're looking at a team that doesn't have Charlie Adam in it, and even with other guys like Paul McGowan missing and they're still functioning very well. They all They know their roles, they're, they're linking up well, they're passing well. Obviously, we'd like to see a few more wins and a few more goals, but it means that going into these games, he's got a nice squad there, and, and if they got, I mean, you're going to get injuries. Whoever's out, it should not affect the team performance, and James McPake deserves real credit for getting them playing in that sort of manner, and obviously, you add in the fact that he, you know, James McPake is a winner. He, his desire to win, you know, and... Um, yeah, good on him. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it culminated in the sort of one-one draw. Of Martin at the weekend, after I thought for a second <laughs> he was curse, go- I for a second he'd be- Oh, I thought for a second he was going to lose. and He'd be like chuck, it, chuck that award in the bunch straight away. But no, <laughs> no, I well, well deserved, and hopefully there might be another, another one for him before the end of the season.
0: Yeah, that would be ideal. Um, would. Another key member of the squad for him has been Paul McGowan. He's triggered a one-year contract extension. George courtesy of uh, playing twenty games this season. Uh, he's. Coming up for I think thirty four now, Gowser, but still a very important player for Dundee.
1: He's also uh, homing in on two hundred and fifty appearances for Dundee. He which, is. Um, I think that'll make him the first person in the in the century. I think. Obviously, Gav Gavry and Barry Smith have done it, but they started in the nineties. So that, that'll be mm-hmm. something I will be yeah. writing in the near near future, um, which will be a, a massive. I think he can get it before the end of the season. Uh, obviously, injury permitting.
0: Yeah, he's very close, isn't he? He's very yeah, close. I think
1: he's three or four away. There's a bit of dispute over the exact number, but we're, we're getting there. <laughs> um, he's shown just in recent weeks how important he's been. Obviously, the goal against Ayr was absolutely quality. Was Sensational. Absolutely, unbelievable. The goal. You, you could tell by his celebration that even he was... <laughs> <laughs> impressed by it. Um shocked. He was shocked. Hand over <laughs> mouth shocked. and everything. <laughs>
0: um
1: and yeah, he's he's been a real real leader uh, in recent weeks. And they probably did miss him at at Dunfermline. Uh although they, as the midfield played really well. I thought Byrne was really good when he coming back in the, the team and obviously McGee. I think maybe they, they missed that we uh kick up the backside that Paul McGowan always gives you. Um but yeah, that's. That he's it's just one of these players where, when people start to question them, he he comes up with the answer. It's um, there's been a few times over his his time at Dundee, and uh, thinking back to that first air game at Denz when Dundee played through the pool and he gave away the the ball for the the opening goal, and people well a lot of folk have all been questioned whether he's he could still c- cut it, whether he should still be in the team, and then just a week or so later, he's, he's, he's the best player on the team and he's absolutely leading by example. It's,
0: it, it, it's a
1: real knack of doing that and I think that that's that's invaluable for, for a club.
0: Yeah, and he's invaluable for us as well. He's always good value to speak to in the press. So i delighted that us sticking about for another sure. year, um, signing that extension to 2022. So um, I'm sure we'll have plenty more of him in the tilly, um over the coming year, maybe longer. Um, one thing that is uh, maybe not so great value for football um, splitting opinion causing a bit of debate is something we're going to go and talk about in the next section of the show yes I'm talking about VAR video assistant replay that's right isn't it, it's not video action replay, video referee. Assistant replay. it's referee video assistant referee, is that what it is? <laughs> that shows you how much I like it and pay attention to it, video assistant referee, <laughs> it's been causing a lot of Stichys down south in the English Premier League on the continent in European football, international football. Um it sort of came to a head a wee bit um in the Manchester United Spurs game at the weekend in the Premier League, George. Um mm. it's an absolute nonsense, really. I mean, you must are you pretty glad we don't have that up here and if you know we, we've seen one of our own, Scott McTominay, on the end of a really bad decision in that game. Well you've
1: you've got to feel for son. I, I don't know how he recovered from that, to be honest.
0: It's, uh,
1: <laughs> although it was uh, interesting comments from Olle Gunnar Solskjaer saying he wouldn't give him any food after that. It's, that was a really interesting <laughs> insight into Norwegian parenting, parenting <laughs> techniques. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um,
0: I don't think that's too distant from from South Korean parenting. Having watched the Sun Hyung Min documentary, his dad's a bit of a stern taskmaster. So, yeah, uh, I don't think he was getting food that night anyway. So, <laughs> anyway, carry on. You can you can look that up in your own time. <laughs> um, but he, he went down like a sack of tatties, Didn't he? He I mean, did.
1: He did. Uh, it was a wee flick to flick in the face. So, uh, and yeah, he was down. And then I don't know. It's maybe. I, I'm wary of because obviously I'm a Man Manu fan. I, I don't want to sound biased. Well, I can't help it, but um, that's too late. Now. <laughs> it just feels like it's got to the stage where if a player makes a meal of it, he's going to get it. If you know what I mean? That's um, mm-hmm. no. I, I if if the roles were reversed and Son had flicked McTominay in the face, I don't think McTominay mm-hmm. would have done anything but try and kick him back. I think that would have been. Yeah, his we should say um, that
0: this is in this was in the build up to a perfectly legitimate goal in which Paul Pogba slipped in Edison Cavani who made a fant- it was a fantastic pass from Pogba through the legs of the Spurs defender I can't remember who yeah. it was now but Cavani makes a fantastic run into the box finishes with a plum it's a great goal no offside but this goal was ruled out for for McTominay running away from Son and sort of using his body as you would in a natural position to hold off the encroaching player and try and create some space for yourself to move forward pass the ball do whatever you want with it very lightly catches Son in the face and and like I say, Son goes down um like Tom Daly into a swimming pool, do you know what I mean? He's just <laughs> flying to the deck, you know, it's just ridiculous, but... Um, I'm
1: not sure what, uh, what a rating they would have got from the, the diving the judges with that, but...
0: But that would never happen in Scottish football, I mean, like, the, the instant itself might happen, but it would never be picked up by the referees, mainly because they're mints, but also... <laughs> because we don't well, have VAR and personally yeah. I'm quite glad we don't have it because it just ruins the game Well,
1: There's been talk of us having a, a, a budget version of VAR because obviously we, can't. <laughs> we haven't got the, the cash up here but VAR light um, Yeah and I mean refs need help but I, I, it seemed like they were getting to grips with it down south and every so often they just make an absolute meal of things um, just so I can only think what our refs would get up to with it. I mean, it'd be... <laughs> can you
0: imagine what they a call them if Jeez, oh. The, <laughs> the ego trip would be unreal. Um, Bear, I feel like you've got very strong opinions on this. You're giving me a strong, like, taxi driver who's sick of this <laughs> nonsense vibes. Um, but,
2: um, I think... Uh, have you, uh, I mean, put your supporters cap on. It's absolute nonsense. You know, uh, waiting for... Waiting for decisions to be made over goals, or you, you can't have you can't celebrate a goal now because you're, you're, you're unsure because somebody might have their flipping their backside in an offside position, sort of thing. You know, it's it's just crazy, yeah. it's just absolutely and they even got it on the adverts on the TV. You know, the boys going, I'm wanting to cheer, I'm wanting to cheer, but you can't because you know, wait a minute, we're waiting for VAR. It's just, it's just no part of what football is all about. It's, it's ruining the, the game. As, when they get the lines I, out and start measuring things, exactly. you like, me!" Oh, <laughs> they're man. ruining, ruining the game as a, as a spectacle. I, I mean, goal line technology, yes, but other than that, let's just go on. I mean, this is what football's great because it's got. They're trying to sanitize it to the point that there won't be any debates. So that would certainly do us all in the head. Wouldn't that be us <laughs> out of the job effectively? You know, because we don't <laughs> got to debate anything, and but it's, it's been proven that we can get decisions wrong. So. I would tape it a back a wee, but I think it's a good to a point. But they've got to tape it back that, you know, we're, we're not having to sort of debate over real sort of minuscule decisions like that. It's just, it's just ruining the game. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I've got to say, in Scotland, we don't have the cash. Well, let's, let's just be happy that we're <laughs> let's just be happy that we're <laughs> poppers and we can't afford to bring that in.
1: <laughs> Poverty's but paying off the, for the us. The worst thing about it for for me is we want to see attacking football. We want to see exciting football. Yeah, uh, all it does is rule out goals. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make goals. It doesn't allow, allow teams to attack any better. It's totally weighted in, in favor of the defend defenders. Yeah. Um. Aside from the occasional handball thing,
0: but no, I'm not having it. It makes me laugh every time I watch Match of the Day, and you see these pundits like Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer and whoever else, and they're sitting there greeting about VAR and um, how bad it is these were the same guys that like four or five years ago were greeting about how bad the referees are and they need some kind of help and assistance and now they've got it yeah. they're sitting there whinging about how bad it is I well, mean they've, the made they've made their beds they've made their beds bed. I know. <laughs> professional whinging so it says oh, so me so, sitting here whinging about in, them in, but the,
2: in the media <laughs> we, we are all professional hypocrites Carl. We've got to, that's the only way to get ahead
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that bit of career advice Bear <laughs> um, <laughs> um Enough talking about that, we're going to talk about the fans, the lifeblood of the game, not silly wee daft cameras, video assistant, replay, referee, action replay, dafties, whatever it's called. Enough of that, we're looking ahead, things are getting a little bit brighter out there in terms of the weather, Bear told us that earlier on, they're getting a wee bit brighter (laughs) Mm -hmm. in terms of COVID, coronavirus, things getting lifted, lockdown, people getting their vaccines, it's all good in the hood at the moment, George, we might even have fans in the stands For a Scottish football game this summer, do tell us. Well, not
1: even this summer. Well, I'll have to ask Bear when when the summer start. I'm not sure, but um, this season anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that obviously the new guidelines that have been published by the government when they're looking to uh, cut restrictions, uh, and that'll see stadiums allowed to bring get fans in 500 fans from the 17th of May. The playoff. The premiership playoff final, both legs are after that. The second legs of the lower leagues, it's, it'll only apply to the second legs of the lower league. So they'll be able to get 500 mm. fans in as well, um, unless things go extremely well
0: Yeah, uh, and we get which to is level. Basically a full, uh, it's basically a full attendance for some clubs down there as well, 500, <laughs> is great, to be fair. Well, um, it's easy to
1: social distance sometimes. Um, yeah, of course it is. So it's fantastic news because. Fingers crossed, Dundee might be, might be in that final. So we may well have punters at Dens Park watching the game of football before the season ends, um, taking on whoever comes, whoever finishes eleventh in the Premiership. So I mean, that's that sounds fantastic. I, I don't know what five hundred fans at Dens would be like, but it feels so strange after a year and uh, well thirteen months now being at stadiums that are just completely empty I, th- I think it's going to feel so strange to, to hear and see punters in there uh, but I can't wait
0: Yeah it's been a long time in coming and um, on a bigger scale I think 500 will be sort of it'll be eerie in a way in a big stadium but looking ahead to, to the Euros in the summer there'll be games at Hamden of course Scotland involved against Czech Republic and Croatia 12,000 fans have been confirmed um, to be able to attend those games between the three nations, bear. Um, that's more like it, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're we're hoping to get back to having thousands in the stadium rather than a few hundred. Yeah,
2: it's a it's a step a step forward, isn't it? In the right direction. I mean, twelve thousand at home is still going to be a bit sort of sparse, but given where we've been in the last twelve months, it, it's great. And I'm just moving on from that. I'm basically looking from my own perspective. I'm hoping that when the season starts, um, you know, in July next. Or, well, it'll be the Betfred Cup, obviously, but I'm hoping that uh, mm-hmm. I'll be back to normality, effectively, and you will all got fans back into stadiums. I mean, I accept that if you've got, you know, there might be a reduced capacity, but given the size most stadiums and, and the amount of people that, that turn up every week, I think you would safely say you could get, you know, most sort of attendances in. You know, if you've, if you've got 5,000 at Denz, that shouldn't be a problem you know, getting those sort of punters back. I mean, so fingers crossed that we are moving in the right direction. I think
1: they'd actually planned that when things were looking better last year. I think they'd actually worked on how they could get
2: uh,
1: a a good, a normal kind of attendance in with social distancing and all that stuff. I'm sure United would have been
2: the same. I mean, obviously you do see issues at games that are going to be full capacity, but you can cut, I mean, like you say, I mean, obviously it was 50,000 for a Celtic Rangers game, then you cut it to 30,000 or, or thirty five thousand for for United Aberdeen, it was instead of sort of you know a eleven, twelve thousand he's cut it to eight thousand, you know. So there's ways and means but it'd be great, I mean, from my own perspective. I'm just hoping that if, when Dundee kick off next season and I hope it's in the Premier League, but if it's a trip to Dumfries on the bus, I'm hoping I can be on that bus and you know socially distancing <laughs> on the bus and and, and down to Dumfries and, and getting into the stadium with other sort of four or five hundred D fans and the and the sort of two hundred seventy five Queen of the South fans and, and watching a game of football <laughs> and getting a bit of banter going because that's what we've missed.
1: I've heard there's a ban in order in Dumfries
2: for the beer. Be <laughs> I think you're allowed
1: down there,
2: only, only in there. Only only in a couple of pubs, George. Only in a couple. Of
0: pubs. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say two hundred seventy five. Seems a little high, but there you go. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've fair taken to, to singing on this podcast the last few well, so I'm going to end um, on another one for you and just say things can only get better um, let's hope well, that's for the, the
1: podcast or, or, or for the, the football season
0: <laughs> ah, for everything <laughs> really I mean life football this mince wee podcast
2: for, for your that my partner's rotten.
0: I, know that. I know that it absolutely stinks to high heaven but um, yes things can only get better thank you for listening and we'll see you later goodbye
2: If you like the podcast,
0: we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadise. Or go to thetele.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.